0: The 204th verse from the 7th chapter of the Holy Quran, Surah Al A'raf, is one which speaks of the etiquettes of reading, reciting, and listening to the Holy Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within the Holy Qur'an on numerous occasions speaks of the etiquette of having to deal with the Qur'an. Whether it's reciting the Qur'an, whether it's reading the Qur'an within our salah, whether it's carrying the Qur'an. Whether it's listening to the Quran, the position of the Quran, how the Quran was revealed, when was it revealed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks of the details of the Quran within this holy book, the last divine message sent onto the heart of Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Amongst the ayat, within the Quran that speak of the etiquette of listening to the Quran and reading the Quran is the 204th ayah of the 7th chapter Surah Al-A'raf and of course there are similar ayat to this verse that I began my lecture with that speak of other etiquettes when having to recite the Quran or read the Quran for example Allah says لا يمسه إلا المطحرون No one shall touch the Qur'an unless in a state of purity. A state of tahara. In another ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says فإذا قرأت القرآن فاستعذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم If you wished, you had the desire to read the Qur'an then first and foremost seek refuge to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evilness of shaitan. This ayah speaks of when the Qur'an is being recited. And Allah says, فَإِذَا قُرْيَ الْقُرْآنِ If the Qur'an were to be recited, فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ Then listen to it. وَأَنْصِتُ Pay attention to it. What is the result? لَعَلَّكُمْ turhamun. And this is exactly what Amir al muminin wa Mawla al-Mu'ahideen Ali ibn Abi Talib alludes to when speaking of the qualities of the muttaqeen the righteous and the sermon that I just read onto you. One of his companions by the name of Hammam comes to him and he says, Ya Amir al muminin Sifli al Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, tell me of the qualities of the Muttaqeen, the righteous, the pious. Then he says, No, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I don't want a brief explanation. Sifli al-Muttaqeen, ka'ani arahum. I want you to describe them to me as if I'm seeing them in front of my eyes. So, Amir al Mu'minin begins to describe the Muttaqeen until he reaches this segment, their relationship with the Quran. Indeed, one of the greatest qualities of a Muttaqi and a Mu'min is the one who has a special love, a special relationship with the Quran. Amongst the relationships is what? Fa'amma al and if it is dark at night, They stand on their feet firmly. And they recite the Qur'an in a beautiful voice. They recite the أجزاء segments, sections, جزء from the Qur'an. Tartila, then what happens? What happens? Do they just read it? No, 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 no. He says, they bring sadness to their hearts by reciting the verses. Why? And they bring happiness to themselves and remedy for their illnesses. So one. As it brings sadness to them. Another segment brings happiness and delight to them. Then Amir al-Mu'mineen, he explains himself. He says, If they happen to come across an ayah that has good news. If they come across an ayah that speaks of Jannah, of the Rahma of Allah, of the infinite mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِذَا مَرُّوا بِآيَةٍ فِيهَا تَشْوِيقٍ They pay attention to it. أصغوا إِلَيْهَا مسامعة قُلُوبِهِمْ الله أكبر Look how Amir al Mu'mineen describes them. He says they first don't listen with their ears, but they listen with their hearts to the Qur'an. And if they see an ayah that speaks of Jannah, if they, speak of, if they see an ayah that speaks of paradise, then they are happy and delighted. And if they come across an ayah that speaks of the punishment and the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they also pay attention to it. It's as if they see and witness Jahannam. And the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in front of their eyes. Now, many of us, we like to always hear of the good things. Sayyidna, tell us of Jannah, the mercy of Allah. We like to always chant of the mercy of Allah. And Allah always wants us to discuss His mercy and compassion indeed. 114 chapters... One hundred and thirteen of them begin by Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Raheem. Allah one hundred and fourteen times introduces Himself in the Quran. One hundred and thirteen times through His mercy and compassion. And He makes sure that that chapter that doesn't contain Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Raheem and another chapter the Bismillah has mentioned twice, so the Quran contains this statement in the name of Allah, the gracious, the most merciful, one hundred and fourteen times. Min Sulaiman. Wa innahu Bismillah Rahman al-Rahim. However, sometimes we forget that there is also the justice of Allah, and the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dictates that not everybody will be equal in the day of judgment. People will come, Ya Allah, I prayed. I was observing Siyam. I paid charity. I didn't engage in the Haram. I, was make sure, I made sure I am adamant to seek your pleasure and satisfaction. How can you put me in the same position as someone who was drinking, fornicating, lying, cheating? Therefore, there is a punishment. And brothers and sisters, the main theme of those majalis should be to remind us of the Akhara. That life has an expiration date. One of the ulama used to say, the seat is reserved for us. The luggage is already ready. The kafan and nothing else. The place where we will be buried, Allah has determined. The day we will pass to the Akharah is determined. The hour is determined. The method is determined. It's as if you're sitting in the boarding area and they're calling the names. Group number one board. My neighbor's board. My friend's board. My cousin's board. Group number two. My teacher. My parents. My uncle. My grandparents. Group number three. And group number four sometimes happens to be us. They call our name. Then, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونَ On that day, we cannot come back and say, Oh Allah, let me come back to life so I can sponsor an orphan. Oh Allah, let me come back so I can pray my prayers on time. Oh Allah, let me come back so that I would pay some charity. Oh Allah, let me come back so that I would do istighfar. Oh Allah, let me come back so that I perform the hajj that I didn't perform. Oh Allah, let me come back so I wear the hijab that I didn't adhere by. No, 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 no. حساب حساب Today, we act, we do, but there is no hisab. And that day there is only hisab, but there is no amal. We say, Rabbi arj'ani, oh Allah, return me for one moment. Allah says, No, 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 no. Now your hands are tied. You have moved on to the akhirah. You have moved on to the next life. Therefore, Amir al Mu'minin describes the متقين as those individuals who. Recite the Quran at night. Why at night? It's because there is no one there. We can have a special relationship with Allah. Because everybody's sleeping. Because your phone is not going to ring. Because the TV's turned off. It's a time designated for you and the Creator Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have this relationship, and when they read the Quran, they don't just pass by the verses. No, 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 no. They pay attention to the verses, and it's as if they can see them in front of their eyes. Brothers, sisters, we have a long way to go when it comes to our relationship with the Quran. And I have said this once, twice, and I'm going to keep repeating myself until we see results. We have many Hussainiyyats all across the world, many Masajid all across the world, many seminaries, houses all across the world. But how many Darul Qur'ans do we have? How many institutions are dedicated strictly to the Qur'an, to the Tafsir of Qur'an, to the memorization of the Qur'an? to translating the Qur'an into different languages, to writing the tafsir of the Qur'an by the Ahlul Bayt in different languages and spreading it all around the world. This is where we lack. And more importantly, the Qur'an sits in our homes. Every one of us, we have a Qur'an within our homes. We have a Qur'an in our vehicles. But when do we get to spend some quality time with the Qur'an? If somebody wants to get married they open the Qur'an in front of of them and you know for five minutes in the time of the aqid they look at the Qur'an and it has to be a beautiful one, a big one and then they close it, they put it in their shelves. When we want to buy a new home the first thing we do we take the Qur'an Nauru's no time, you put the Qur'an. It's a ritual. Somebody dies, we read the Qur'an. But when do we actually spend quality time with the Qur'an? This is spend time in close proximity with the Qur'an. But when do we spend quality time with the Qur'an? The Qur'an should not become a ritual for us. So that when we travel, your mom holds the Qur'an, you kiss the Qur'an, and you pass underneath it. No, no. The Qur'an has to become part of our existence. Part of our lives. That is why I have decided to examine this ayah this evening. Surah Al-A'raf, verse 204, in the following manner. Number one, Sabab al-nuzul Why was this ayah revealed? Number 2 what does it mean when Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says fastami'u? And listen to it. Number 3 what does it mean when Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says wasanṣitu? And pay attention to it. Number four, who was the very first mufassir of the Holy Quran, the very first person to engage in the exegesis of the Quran, and number five, who did the first mufassir point the entire Muslim ummah to, in order to seek the fruits of the Quran? Wa ala Muhammad wa ali Muhammad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals this ayah and the Mufassireen have discussed the reason. Why is it that Allah reveals this ayah? (coughs) They say Rasulullah would read the Qur'an in his salah in a beautiful voice. And the Muslim standing behind him would be mesmerized by the beautiful recitation of the Qur'an. So Rasulullah would read different chapters from the Quran, different sections from the Quran, different surahs from the Quran, and the Muslims would repeat after him loudly. Rasulullah didn't stop them. Allah revealed this ayah, ayah number 204 of, cha- of the seventh chapter. Fa al and if the Quran is being recited You don't have to recite. You don't have to repeat after Rasulullah, فَاسْتَمِعُوا wa وَأَنصُتُوا This is the first set of مُفَسِّرِين. Second, have stated no. This was because Rasulullah sometimes would engage in reciting the Qur'an, or he would ask one of the companions to recite the Qur'an, and others would be speaking amongst themselves. Somebody is reading the Qur'an, some companions are telling stories to one another. They're talking about their businesses with one another. They're talking about side discussions. Allah came and He stopped this. He says, when somebody is reading the Quran, make sure you observe silence. You don't speak. You pay attention. لَعَلَّكُمْ Turhamun, So that you may find the blessings and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now let me ask you, today, when you walk into a gathering and the Qur'an is being recited, how many people are paying attention to it? How many people observe silence and they're sitting down listening to the Qur'an? And how many people are talking amongst themselves? Some people, they think that it's only when the Qur'an is being read... When they have to be silent. So the, the man is reading the Qur'an. When he pauses to take a breath, they start speaking. As soon as he starts reading again, they pay attention. Why? We are following the ayah. The ayah says when the Qur'an is being recited. Now imagine you go and sit in front of a very powerful man, a king, a president, a prime minister. He's giving a speech. You don't speak when he's speaking, but when he wants to flip the paper, I speak to my friend. Is that respectful? When he stops for a moment to pause, to think, to observe, I start speaking to my friend. My professor is speaking at the university. As soon as he turns around, I start speaking to my friend. Is this respectful? No. Similarly, let me say this too. If somebody's engaging in the tafsir of the Qur'an, he's illuminating our minds, she is illuminating our minds with the tafsir of the Qur'an, what difference does it make? And unfortunately, this is an area we have to pay attention to. Sometimes you walk into the presence of a alim, he's engaging in tafsir, he's speaking, And there are side discussions, some people are discussing amongst themselves. This is not only disrespectful to the man speaking, but it's also disrespectful to the Qur'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number one says, فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ Pay attention to it. Listen to it. The Mufassirin state that it's not that we only observe silence. We only are quiet. We only, we don't speak when the Quran is being recited. They say, We listen and we observe with the niyah with an intention. So if the Quran is being recited, it's as if you're about to pray, as if you're about to fast, as if you're about to engage in tawaf, as if you're about to engage in sa'i. What do you do? You have a niyyah. You have an intention. This is an act of worship. I'm going to listen bil niyyati Knowing that I must pay attention and in paying attention and listening there's going to be a thawab. This is how we pay attention to the Qur'an. فَاسْتَمِعُوا Number two, وأنصيتو. and pay attention. What's the difference between listening and paying attention? Huge difference. Sometimes I listen, but my existence, my mind, my soul is somewhere else. He's reading the Qur'an, I'm not speaking. I'm not engaging in anything else but I'm thinking of my business. I'm thinking of my children. I'm thinking of my bills. I'm thinking, you know, what are we going to do tonight? Where are we gonna go? Where are we gonna eat? I let my mind wander around. Allah says no. When the Quran is being recited, pay attention to it. Give your entire soul to the Quran. Another set of مفسرين say means incorporate the teachings of the Qur'an within your life. Take the teachings of the Qur'an and incorporate them within your existence. Adhere by the lessons of the Qur'an. And this is very important. And I tell you it brings blessings to our lives. لَعَلَّكُمْ turhamun. Sometimes when we don't pay attention to the Quran we wonder why is it that our homes aren't blessed our families aren't blessed our businesses aren't blessed our hearts aren't blessed our minds aren't blessed Allah says bring the Quran to your home it will be blessed la'allakum turhamun bring the Quran to your business it will be blessed la'allakum turhamun Bring the Qur'an to your mind, it will be blessed. لَعَلَّكُمْ Turhamun. Bring the Qur'an to your business, it will be blessed. لَعَلَّكُمْ Turhamun. Bring the Qur'an to your children, they will be blessed. Turhamun. But if we do the opposite, the rahma is removed. One of the ulama, I read in his book, he said, we had a friend. This friend would always read the Qur'an. Always. You find him when he sat down, instead of speaking to his friends, instead of engaging in side discussions, he had a small Quran, he would take it out and he starts reading. He loved the Quran. He said, years and years out, every gathering they would bring this man, he would read the Quran. Every time somebody wanted a reciter of the Quran, he would voluntarily go and read for them. Right? He said, suddenly we find this man, you tell him, Haji, would you like to read the Quran in this gathering? No. Would you like to come and recite in the masjid? No. And in fact, when the Quran was recited, he would get up and leave. Allahu Akbar. From such a relationship with the Quran, to not having anything to do with the Quran, so he said, I went and I asked him, I said, what happened? You had the best relationship with the Qur'an. Today you have no relationship with the Qur'an. He says, I really can't tell you. He says, please. I begged him. I said, please tell me. What happened? You had the best relationship. Everyone was jealous of your nearness to the Qur'an. And now this is unusual, the Qur'an is being recited in the masjid, you get up and leave. He said, he told me, Sayyidna, I went to Hajj, and I was carrying the Qur'an with me. Everywhere I went, I was reading the Qur'an. He said, one day I walked out of the building, I saw a bookstore. He said, I like poetry, so I went into the bookstore. And I found the diwan, the books, the book of poems of Yazid ibn Muawiyah. So he said, I opened it, I read it, and of course Yazid was a powerful poet. His poetry was mesmerizing. So he says, I read it, I liked it. I said to him, I want the book. How much? Let's say he said like five dollars. So I put my hands in my pocket. I didn't have money. So I said, listen, I'm going to go up to the building, bring money, and buy the book. He said to me, no, you don't have to. Just give me the Quran. He said to him, no, this is my Quran. I said, man, there's thousands of Qurans for free everywhere. Just give me the Quran, take the book. He said, I thought about it, and I said, look, it's just a book. I can get another Quran from somewhere else. So I gave the Quran and I took the diwan. He said, from that day, I cannot even stand listening to the Quran. He said, from that day, I look at the verses of the Quran and it's as if they're telling me, don't look at me. Don't read me. Don't recite me. Why? Because the Quran has its own respect and dignity and honor. it's not just a book if you have the Qur'an it's the words of Allah being spoken to you we ought to give it the utmost respect let's incorporate the Qur'an within our lives so that we find mercy in our lives some people, brothers and sisters, when they want to find a job, they go to their parents, they go to their friends, they go to their counselors, they go to advisors, then they make a decision, shall I take this job or shall I not? They want to look for a spouse, find a husband, find a wife. He goes to his parents, to his cousins, to his parents, you know, friends. Matching websites, what is it called? Matrimonial websites. I want to look for a business. I go and I search everywhere. And I ask, and I look for the best business. I seek the counsel of 10, 20 different people. But when it comes to seeking a spouse, when it comes to... The upbringing of our children when it comes to what we wear, our friends, our lifestyles, we never seek the counsel of the Qur'an. While the first place we should go to is the Qur'an. Why? Because Amir al-Mu'mineen says, la He is the guide that never takes you astray. It never lies to you. You have many friends. Sometimes they may give you the wrong advice. And sometimes you have some good friends who don't lie. And we all, all of us have friends that lie. But this friend, he never lies. It's a navigation system. You tell it what you want and it takes you directly to your destination. Those are the words of Amir al-Mu. We pay attention to it. لعلكم ترحمون. Last year, I spoke of the five methodologies of tafsir during the first ten nights of Muharram, and you can go and look at what we discussed, as in. So we have some of us who do the tafsir of the Quran with the Quran. We have others who do the tafsir of the Quran with the hadith. We have others who do the tafsir of the Quran with history. We have others who do the tafsir of the Quran with science. We have others who do the tafsir of the Quran with their own opinion and ideology. Which tafsir is the correct one? What are the different types of tafsir? When did we engage? And having accumulated tafsir in the Muslim libraries, we discussed this. This year, I would like to discuss another aspect of tafsir. Why? Because this ayah of Surah Al-A'raf discusses the etiquette of listening to the Qur'an, reciting the Qur'an. But if we want the greatest fruits of the Qur'an, we must look for the tafsir of the Qur'an. The hidden treasures in the Qur'an. The meanings of the Qur'an. The exegesis of the Qur'an. And one of the greatest questions, most important and vital questions, is that when did Muslims begin tafsir? Was it 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years after the Qur'an was revealed that the Muslims said, look, the Qur'an isn't just what you read, there is more to it. And then they began to do the Tafsir of the Qur'an. When did Tafsir begin? <laughs> Tonight we will discuss the very first mufassir of the Quran the very first exegete of the Quran and that was no one besides sayyidina wa mawlana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam He was the very first man to engage in tafsir, and the tafsir of the Qur'an began through him. Scholars believe that we have 205 ahadith from Rasulullah that discuss the tafsir of the Holy Qur'an. And tonight we don't have time to discuss what type of tafsir did Rasulullah do. Briefly I'll tell you. For example, there is ha- ayat in the Qur'an that remain incomplete without the tafsir of Rasulullah. أَقِيمُ Salat wa'atu zakat. Establish salah and pay charity. Look in the Qur'an, the entire Qur'an, find me how many rak'ah as-salat al-subh? How many rak'ah as-salat al How many rak'ah asr How many rak'ah asr How many rak'ah maghrib How many rak'ah as You can't. Allah says, pay charity, pay zakat. How do I pay charity? Find it in the Qur'an. So the very first job of the tafsir of Rasulullah was to complete the ayah. Second, was to explain the ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, As-sariq wa sārīqa, The thief, whether it's a male or a female, if they steal, amputate their arms. Today you find in the Muslim country somebody steals a bag of chips. Rasulullah has had hadiths. He says number one criteria is that there shall be no poverty when this man steals. Tell me where today in Muslim countries there is no poverty. Number two, what he steals should be more significant than the price of the D of his hand, not a bag of chips, number three, not the first time this poor man steals, you cut his hand, the first time he goes to court, second time, third time, fourth time, and when the judge realizes that this man, you tell him but he doesn't want to listen, more importantly, I believe this is the most important restriction, is that this man when he steals whatever is being stolen is protected. He breaks in, he steals that which is hidden and it creates a feeling of terrorism in the lives of people. What do I mean? I mean people can't rest at night. They say this thief is out there. He's going to break in into our home, he's going to hurt us, and the judge has stopped him several times, he doesn't pay attention. This message is only completed through the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Not just we take any ayah and we, we say, okay, this ayah says amputate the hand of the thief, so we... Ayat that speak of hajj, ayat that speak of charity, ayat that speak of jihad. Ayat, every ayah, almost every act of worship needs the explanation of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa, alayhi wa sallam. Therefore he was the very first mufassir of the Qur'an. Sometimes he would give the tafsir and sometimes people would ask him. One day, an Arabi, an Arabian Bedouin man, he came to Rasulullah. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I have a question. People said, look at this guy. We wonder what he's going to ask. It seems like. So he says, Ya Rasulullah, Allah says that there shall be no harm in paradise. But yet he has trees in paradise that bring harm. Where did you find this? He read the Quran and he said, "Chapter fifty-six, verse twenty-eight, to ashabul yaminima ashabul yamin fi sidrin Lot trees, they have spikes. Ya Rasulullah, how can there be trees in paradise with spikes? People are going to get hurt. Rasulullah said, "Look, this man when he read the Quran, he paid attention as much as his intellect." Allowed him, he observed. Then he, came, he comes to ask. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa, alayhi wa sallam says, the, the spikes have been taken away. They only see the beauty of the tree and nothing else. So sometimes Rasulullah, he would begin the tafsir. And sometimes people would ask him, Tonight... I'm going to give you several of the examples of the tafsir of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so that we establish that he was the very first mufassir of the Holy Qur'an and he did the tafsir of the Qur'an before his demise. Before we do that, I ask you for three loud salawats and please move forward as much as you can. Sallu ala wa Ali Muhammad. Men and women, both of you, please move forward. He says, <laughs> He says, when I was given the Qur'an, I was given the same length of the Quran and explanation. Meaning Allah didn't reveal the Quran without an explanation to me. The first example is regarding Hajj. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Imran, chapter 5, verse 89, says, وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌّ عَنِ الْعَالَمِينَ Whoever does not go to hajj, Allah doesn't say he has abandoned hajj. Allah says, وَمَنْ كَفَرَ Whoever doesn't go to hajj, he has done kufr. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيٌّ عَنِ So they came to him, Ya Rasulullah, a person who doesn't go to Hajj, why is he kafir? Rasulullah in response says, Whoever leaves Hajj, neglects Hajj, he is not aware of the punishment. He's negligent of the punishment of Allah. He is not paying attention. See the call of Allah that says once upon, once in your life it is mandatory unto you to go to Hajj, and He's not looking for the thawab. This is the explanation that Rasulullah gave towards the ayah that speaks of Hajj Surat Surah Al Amrân. I don't have time to give my own thought onto the matter, but I'll say this once: one sentence, one statement, brothers, sisters. Don't say, this year I have my business, this year I have my exams, this year I got married, next year I have this. If hajj is mandated on to go, because you never know if next year you are able to go. You don't know if five years from now you'll be fit enough to go to hajj. You don't know. If three years from now you will have the money and the ability to go to hajj. We don't know. Today you might be a millionaire. A month from now you might be on welfare. Don't say, Allah, I have so much money that nothing can shake it up. No one can say that. One day a woman went to a, a jeweler one of the biggest jewelers in Asfahan. She said to him, give me sadaqa." So he looked at his box. There is nothing, no change. So he said, I don't have change. Come back when I have change. She said to him, all those jewelries and gold and you don't have anything to give me. You don't have to give me change. Give me something big. He said, why should I go? Get out of here. So she said, aren't you afraid that one day Allah is going to make you like me, beg in the streets. He looked at her, he said, even if Allah wanted to do that, it would take him 60 years. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of money. Allahu <laughs> Akbar. The woman walked out. The woman walked out. The guards of the Shah came in. They say there is a person who is a fugitive He's hiding in the bazaar. We have a statement if we find him anywhere, everything belonging to that man shall be confiscated. So he said, You ask me, you come to my store, I'm a friend of the Shah, I'm a friend of the Queen. Go and search the bazaar. They went and they searched every store, they reached, Look, we didn't find the fugitive. We have to search your store. They searched his store and they happened to find the fugitive, it was his own cousin. They say they stripped him even from his own shoes. Yes, it's possible. Today, I may have millions, tomorrow, God forbid! It's the ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Amir al Mu'minin says protect the ni'am because sometimes they run away faster than you can catch them. If you have the ni'mah of health, protect it. Meaning what? Meaning thank Allah. Make sure that those who are ill, those who are sick, you help them, you aid them. If you have money, Don't be a hog, don't say, no, I have a bank account now, I cannot, you know, before I had 30 million, I can't stop. After 30 million, I'll start giving my charities. Don't do that to yourself. This ni'mah is going to fly by, you can't catch it. If you have the ni'mah, you have a talent, Allah has given you a talent. Spend some of it in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that this talent, what? It grows. Number two of the tafsir of Rasulullah is that of Surat al hijr chapter fifteen, verse ninety-one. And those who have separated the Quran, they came. They said, "Ya Rasulullah, how can people separate the Quran? What does that mean?" He says, "Amanu bi wa They took some of it. Oh, we like this. This part of the Qur'an, we like it. And the rest, no. This one, we don't like it too much. This one. The biggest problem sometimes, it's not that they just, just don't obey. It's not that they just don't listen to it. They say, no, this doesn't exist in the Qur'an. Allah, where did Allah say it in the Qur'an? You show him the ayah ten times. No, no, this doesn't mean... Because he doesn't want to see it the way Allah wants him to see it. This doesn't mean what you're saying, Sayyidina. This means something else. How? Imam al-Sadiq says this is what it means. Imam al-Baqir, Amir al-Mu'mineen, Rasulullah. He thinks he knows more than them. Why? Because now he doesn't want to pay attention. Number three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, "Inna أَعْطَيْنَاكَ kal." فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرُ Chapter 108, verse number 2 فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرُ Rasulullah was asked, Ya الله، we pray and do we have to do نحر? Do we have to do a sacrifice? Allah says, no, Jibra'il told me, it means, فَإِذَا صَلَّيْتَ فَرْفَعَ يَدَيْكَ فِي التَّكْبِيرُ Raise your hands in takbir. Why? Have you thought about it? It's Because when we start, we say Allahu Akbar, we stand firm. We go to Ruku', we get up. If we don't stand firm and we say Allahu Akbar, what happens? We get up from sujood, we want to go back to another sujood. Gymnastics. But when we sit, Allahu Akbar. We wait, again, Allahu Akbar. It gives us that pause. It allows us to be able to focus on the statement of the salah. Number four is of Surah Muhammad, chapter 47, verse 38. When Allah says, Allah is rich. Allah has wealth, and we human beings, we are impoverished, we are in need. Even Donald Trump, this arrogant man, he's also in need of Allah. Every human being, from the janitor to the filthy rich, we're all in need of Allah. Then Allah says, وَإِن يَسْتَبْدِلْ and if you were to become arrogant, then Allah says, I'll take the na'mah of iman and give it to other peoples. Al-Tabari in this tafsir said, they asked him, the Arab came, <coughs> the Arabs, they came, they said, Ya Rasulullah, who is Allah going to replace? Salman was sitting next to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi, alayhi wa sallam. And you know, I'll tell you, they didn't like Salman. It's poor Salman, they didn't like him. Say, so Ya Rasulullah, Salman stinks, he smells. We don't want him here. Salman, look at his accent, he doesn't speak right. Huh. So they said, Ya Rasool Allah, what's gonna happen? If we don't observe, as Allah says in the Quran, Allah is going to change us with other people's. Al-Tabari says, وَسَلْمَانُ ila جَنْبِهِ Rasulullah says, humul الْفُرْسِ They are the Persians. سَلْمَانٌ وَقَوْمِهِ It's Salman and his people. Allah will replace them. Allah will give them the Iman. Allah will give them piety. Then, Rasulullah says, Wallah, I swear that some of those men from his nation meaning persia they will chase iman and they will chase righteousness even it was even if it was in the seventh heaven wallahi in min al-furs nation of persia لَوْ أَنَّ الدِّينَ تَعَلَّقَ بِالثُّرَيَّا رِجَالٌ مِنَ الْفُرْسِ If it was in the seventh heaven, they would chase it and they would take it. They couldn't see Rasulullah. He sees this Persian man. All by himself, around those arab. And Rasulullah gives him such a statement. So Rasulullah, brothers and sisters... He was the very first Mufassir of the Quran. We have 205 hadiths from the legacy of Rasulullah discussing the tafsir. Now, what about the rest of the ayat? What about the rest of the tafsir of the Quran? He also stated in his tafsir. And this is the fifth area of our discussion. He said, Aliyun ma'al haqq, Aliyun ma'al Quran. وَالْقُرْآنُ مَعَ علي لَا يَفْتَرِقَ حَتَّى يَرِدَ عَلَيَّ الْحَوْضِ You want the Qur'an? It's with Ali. And they are inseparable. Ali is with the Qur'an and the Qur'an is with Ali. And they are inseparable until I meet you in the Day of Judgment on the River of Kawthar. Another hadith for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa was says, Ali is the most learned when it comes to the kitab, the Qur'an and the sunnah. And my tradition. And Amir al-Mu'mineen, what would he say? He would say, Saluni qabla an tafquduni. Saluni al-Qur'an fa'ini wallah a'lamu biha man iddaa Ask me of the Qur'an, I am more learned of it than anyone else who claims to understand it. Saluni al-Qur'an fa-ukbirukum wallah al nafsi bi-yadih fi ukbirukum ma nazalat wa-ayna nazalat I will tell you why it was descended, when it was descended. Amir al muminin Salawatullahi wa After the demise of Rasulullah sat and he wrote the Qur'an. Go read history. He sat and he wrote the Qur'an, cover to cover, word by word. And he wrote its tafsir. And he wrote its ta'wil. And he wrote when it was descended. Why it was descended? Whom is it speaking of? He wrote it. And for six months, he says, مَا زِلْتُ مَشْغُولًا بِكِتَابَةِ الْقُرْآنِ بَعْدَ For six months. They say, Amir al-Mu'mineen did not wear his attire to leave the home for six months. Meaning he was always wearing the attire of what he would wear inside the home. For six months, he didn't leave his house. He didn't do anything. He wrote the Qur'an. After six months, فَأَخْرَجَهُ إِلَى الْقَوْمِ He took it out. He showed it to them. فَنَظَرُوا فِيهُ Then they looked at it. They read what Amir al-Mu'mineen has wrote. Then he said, Ya أَبَا Hassan. They told him, يَا أَبَا Hassan أَرْجِعُ Return it. فِي We don't need it. You don't need the Qur'an that Amir al-Mu'mineen wrote. The tafsir of the Qur'an. The ta'weel of the Qur'an. So Amir al-Mu'mineen, what did he tell them? Wallahi lantarauh. Then you shall never see it again. And one of the signs of a ma'soom is that he carries that Qur'an that contains the tafsir and the ta'weel and the handwriting of Amir al-Mu'mineen. And he carries the sword of Amir al-Mu'mineen. And he carries the Amamah of Rasulullah. This is the signs of the Imams. And today where is that Quran? That Quran is with the man. That we call on to him tomorrow morning in du'a and nudbah And we say to him, Ayy